Welcome back to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. On this week's episode, I am joined by the first lady of the Couch Potato Podcast, Jen, as her and I are going to sit down and talk about 1988's Beetlejuice. So Beetlejuice is coming up next. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, when two ghosts can't talk the living into leaving their house. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? They call the ghost... Beetlejuice! ...with the most... Yeah. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? This is amazing. Michael Keaton... ...is a ghost called Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Rated PG. Sneak preview Saturday, March 26th. Okay, welcome back to this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast, and uh, we're uh, chugging right along on uh, our Halloween theme month. Um, we're doing Beetlejuice tonight, which was uh, we kind of tossed around doing Hocus Pocus. We considered Shaun of the Dead, but this is a pretty awesome movie, so we decided on this one instead. And on this week's episode, we're joined by the first lady of the Couch Potato Podcast. Jen's joining us. Welcome back, Jen. Thank you, Russ. It's great to be here tonight. How are you? I'm doing good. We're uh, recording this. Uh, this is the first just face-to-face recording I've done in quite a while. Well, we do live together, so it wasn't yeah. really that difficult to coordinate it now, yeah, was it? Yeah, we're recording inside of our luxurious kitchen studio. It was literally like, hey, come on out to the kitchen and... Let's record the podcast. Yeah, see. <laughs> That's how I book guests. It's just like, hey, you want to do a show? Okay, cool. Come on. Be here at this date and time. That's right. Um, you actually just went to uh, Universal Studios, uh, the Halloween Horror Nights, and did the Beetlejuice. Uh, is it an experience, a ride? It's Tell a, us about It's it. one of their haunted house attractions. So when I was there... Let's see. It would have been a week ago this past Saturday, um, or I'm sorry, rather it was two weeks ago this past Saturday. Two uh, time is obviously getting away from me. So basically, Halloween Horror Nights in Universal Studios. If you've never been there, it's like I think the best way to describe it is it would be a haunted house on crack or meth or one of those. But Beetle, they. They tend to rotate the featured attraction every year for Halloween Horror Nights. For example, 2019, it was House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, Rob Zombie. And then last year, there was nothing because thank you, COVID. And then this year, it was Beetlejuice. That was what everyone was talking about. So when I went down there, when I bought tickets, I made sure that I got the fast pass so I wouldn't have to wait the... 135 minute wait is what I think it was without a fast pass. Fuck. Yeah. And we waited 10 minutes and it was amazing. It was so authentic to the movie that it was crazy. I mean, they had pretty much every Beetlejuice that they feature in the movie. It took about, I want to say seven to 10 minutes to walk through it. And that's just one of the many things that they have. And they had um, Lydia looked very authentic, and I don't know her lady, but the desk lady, I guess the underworld, the one that had slit her wrist, and she was green with bright red hair. Mm-hmm. She was there. She looked identical to the movie. The guy that says, I'm feeling a little flat today, they had him. I mean, it, it was just, it was fantastic. It was like being on the set of the movie itself. Oh, that sounds so fucking cool. It was very cool. Absolutely. All right, and this is like one of your favorite horror, horror, well, not horror, but like Halloween-themed movies, right? Well, I celebrate Halloween every day of the year, Um, but... Oh, so this is like your fucking wheelhouse. Well, absolutely. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've loved Beetlejuice since I was a kid, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's definitely one of the staple Halloween movies that I watch every year, along with like Hocus Pocus and trick-or-treat and Halloween and Night of the Living Dead and some other ones, but Beetlejuice is definitely in my top five of all favorite movies, for sure. Well, what makes it a Halloween classic to you? I mean, it's pretty much, it gets pretty heavy rotation this time of the year. And it, what was weird is it came out in March when it was put out in theaters, so. But what makes it a Halloween classic to you? Well, it's just one of those, like, feel-good, 
you can watch it with your kids. It's not something that you have to be like, hey, kids, go to bed. You can't watch this kind of a thing. I mean, there are a couple vulgar moments here and there, but I don't think it's so scary that kids can't watch it. It has enough comic value to it that it's funny yet scary at points at the same time. And it's just one of those like really great Michael Keaton movies that he just really shines in. Mm -hmm. And it's just so creative especially for the time with the special effects with the, especially with the, um, the gore FX, I guess is what you would call it. And I mean, for the time it was just really well done. Actually, both of our kids watched some of it today, even our two year old daughter. And she was mesmerized by it too, which I thought for sure she was going to scream at like those sandworms. Right. Oh fuck. Like she's going to start screaming or, but no, she, no, she, well, she was a little trooper. The uh, apple didn't fall far from the tree because right. her mother's obsessed with all things horror. So, <laughs> um, I think too that this movie, I think that this is probably, at least in my opinion, this is like if you were to, if somebody asked you who Tim Burton was as a director, I think this movie sums up his style perfectly. It's unconventional, like the score is kind of a character on it in its own. It's offbeat. It's macabre. And just, I, I think that like everything that Tim Burton's done well, and I don't think that he's put everything together. Maybe Edward Scissorhands is close to like capturing like the full Tim Burton experience. But I think if I were to show one person this movie, or show them a Tim Burton movie to give them what that dude's about, it would be this movie. I would say I would really have to agree with you on that. Tim Burton's one of my favorite directors anyway, and I think the big, because you brought up Edward Scissorhands, I think the the big difference, rather, between Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, I think that Edward Scissorhands shows Tim Burton's more whimsical side, kind of like... Alice in Wonderland shows his whimsical side a little bit because of the nature of the stories themselves. And I feel like Beetlejuice has a little bit of a whimsical aspect to it in certain parts, especially with Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin and their characters and the kind of ghosts that they turn out to be. But in other aspects, it's kind of like a macabre, yet whimsical, yet oddity type of thing. But I I would definitely agree with you. I think this is definitely one of Tim Burton's best movies he's ever directed. Mm -hmm. And it really does encapsulate everything that he's all about in his filmmaking, for sure. I mean, I'm going to lean towards the 89 Batman as my favorite Tim Burton movie. Well, I mean, of course. You're partial to that. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, this is like... Yeah, this still though, like, I was just, like, today was the first time I'd watched this movie, fuck, it was a couple of years, I think, from beginning to end. Like, I will always catch, like, some part of it on TV, but yeah, like, as I was watching this, it just, like, I don't think he's ever put his style together more perfectly than he has for Beetlejuice, which actually I uh, read, this is his second full-length theatrical movie, too. He did Pee-wee's Big Adventure was his debut theatr- or directorial debut. Well, let me put it like this. Pee-wee was his directorial debut. This was his second movie. So, And then he produced the 1989 Batman, correct? No, he directed it, too. Oh, he did direct yeah. it? Yep. Okay, got it. Yeah. Well, but it's, it's strange how, you know, Michael Keaton played Batman in that, and then in 93, is this one? This came out. This is 98. We'll get into that here in a minute. Oh, okay. Geez, Sam. I'm like ahead of the times. I'm thinking it was from the 90s. Yeah, he did Beetlejuice before Batman. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, it's it's crazy how the change of Michael Keaton, but like you said, we can get into that in a a few. What perfect way to get into the tale of tape than right now since you bring it up? There we go. All right. Are you ready to do this, Mrs. Casto? I'm ready, Mr. Casto. Let's do it. Released on March the 30th, 1988, uh, Beetlejuice stars Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, and sex offender Jeffrey Jones. You had to put that in there, didn't you? I will. There's certain actors that I will always refer to them as a nickname. If you listen to the Shawshank episode, I always refer to Clancy Brown 
as Urbana's own Clancy Brown because Urbana should be very proud that he's a native son. Jeffrey Jones, on the other hand, should not be proud of being a pedophile. And he's always going to have that title for me. He's a piece of shit. Um, Directed by Tim Burton, of course. Uh, The Rotten Tomatoes score for this one was 85% from critics and 82% from audiences. Uh, Made $84 million on a $15 million budget. This movie also won an Oscar for Best Makeup. I can totally see why. Yeah. And for some odd reason, this movie is not streaming anywhere. Really? Nope. It's not on HBO Max. Uh, You would think that's a Paramount movie because we do a lot of Paramount movies and they shit the bed and they don't put any of their good stuff on their streaming service. I figured for sure this would be on HBO Max, but it wasn't. At least it wasn't at the time of recording now. This could come up tomorrow for all I know. But so we own it on Vudu, right? Yeah, we own the digital version, so we can watch it whenever we want. Right. But so it's not even available to rent or purchase on Vudu right now? Oh, you can rent it, buy it on Vudu, uh, Apple, wherever you get digital movies, but you just can't stream it stream for free. Stream it, okay. I see what you're saying. So, um, yeah. that's when we, we just let the people know if they want to watch the movie. This is where you can find it. if you Because most people have a streaming service. Got it. Okay. Um, I you know, here at the Couch Potato Podcast, we're uh, we're big homers for HBO Max. I think it's the best of the streaming services. I agree. Oh, but yeah, they they dropped the ball on this one. Um, a little bit of research before we get into the categories. Are you ready to hear some fun facts about Beetlegeist? Ooh, I am. Uh, I thought this one was kind of weird that uh, Tim Burton wanted his. Uh, Favorite childhood uh, star, Sammy Davis Jr., he wanted him to play Beetlejuice. I I just can't see I can't see him playing Beetlejuice. Yeah, neither could I. Because it's Michael Keaton. Right. I don't know. Um, speaking of Michael Keaton, did you know uh, Michael Keaton is only in this movie for 14 minutes? That's it? Yeah, and I think this movie runs, what, like an hour and 45 minutes or eh, so? It's about that, yeah. Yeah, he's only in it for 14 minutes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, he makes the absolute best of his 14 minutes. I completely agree. Uh, Warner Brothers wanted to call this movie House Ghost. Eh, that sounds like an after-school special. Yeah, or it sounds like a Disney, go- uh, like a yeah. Disney, uh, Disney Plus, like special, like House Ghost. Yeah, it's, it's about friendly ghosts that befriend like a, a family that has moved. <laughs> And they have no, like, the kids have no friends, but the two ghosts that live in yeah. their house. It's like Casper the Friendly Ghost, like, long lost cousin or something. Right. That's what I, that's what that title reminds me um, of. Tim Burton suggested as a joke that they call the movie Scared Sheetless. I mean, I like the play on words, but eh, nah. But um, I guess apparently Warner Brothers considered using that, and Tim Burton was horrified at the thought of calling this movie Scared Sheetless. They considered that? Mm-hmm. Seriously? Yep. Wow. I would have been okay if they would have called it death. What'd they call uh the when Adam and Barbara dress up as a ghost, don't they call them death shrouds? I yeah, they believe do. so, yeah. Yep. I would have been okay if they called them death the movie Death Shrouds, but Nah. It just doesn't have that same I don't, I don't know. Do you happen to know where they came up with the title Beetlejuice? Because I honestly don't. I've, it's... I do. I don't have it in my notes, but doing a little research, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, you've listened to the show. You know how much I go into. I spend hours. Oh, I know. Yeah. I dig into books. I'm Russ, up all hours of the night. Russ, Russ, no. No answer. Sorry. I'm making notes for the show. Yeah. <laughs> I know how much time you put into it. In depth. It. I've right. got classical music to stimulate the mind well i haven't heard that but i play it in my head oh okay okay because remember andy dufresne says you know you can always take mozart with you even when you're in solitary confinement that's true absolutely uh beetlejuice so is named after a constellation there's a constellation named beetlejuice yeah it, except it's spelled like how he spells it in the movie the b-e-t it's a B E T E L G E U S E. So that's, that's how awesome. the constellation spelled. Mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm totally going to have to Google that because I had no idea. <laughs> you call me a liar? I, no, but I want to read about it now. Like I want to know where it's at in the sky so I can look for it. That's interesting. I was expecting a high liar. No, never. Uh, Beetlejuice was the first movie ever sent out by Netflix, which uh, if anybody remembers, Netflix used to be a DVD subscription service. That they used to rent, like you would basically select movies and they would mail you a DVD and then you would return it via mail before they became like the mega powerhouse streaming service that they are now. So I thought that was a kind of a cool fact. Um, I was uh, doing a little research. Uh, apparently there's quite a few actresses that were considered for the role of Lydia, um, which was eventually played by Winona Ryder. Uh, Brooke Shields. Sarah Jessica Parker, Diane Lane, and criminal Lori Lachlan, who you might know as uh, Aunt Becky from Full House, who ended up going to prison because she figured that the best way to get your kids into a prestigious university was to pay people off. So this movie's actually got two criminals in it. But uh, they were all considered for the role of Lydia before uh, it was offered to Winona Ryder and, I guess, Juliette Lewis auditioned for it, but she got turned down. So out of all of those, I honestly can't see anyone but Winona Ryder playing Lydia because she just does it so well. Her whole look, her whole aura about herself, the way that she dresses, like every component of even who she, kind of what she looks like and how she carries herself. You know, she's always been like a quirky, like eccentric kind of lady. Mm-hmm. And her acting skills are just phenomenal. Juliette Lewis is a force into her own for sure. But if there were a second person I could even remotely think of, Juliette Lewis would probably be it. Mm. Diane Lane, Lori Lachlan, any of Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't know why in the world they would ever consider you, uh, her. This episode is going to spawn a new uh, nickname. You mean uh, college criminal Lori Lachlan? Yeah, college criminal Lori Lachlan. Yeah, yeah. She, she's a piece of shit too. But anyhow... I just, like, I can't fathom Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, that just kind of blows me away. <laughs> like, well, Winona Ryder's been in how many Tim Burton movies? I know she was in um, Edward Scissorhands. So she was she in was this in, one. Right, so two for sure. I'm trying to think. He didn't have anything to do with Heathers, did he? No, he did not. Okay. I... Mm-mm. Did she play any voices in like his anime any animated things that he's done? Like I no, I don't Corpse think. Bride or Frankenweenie or I know she wasn't in Nightmare Before Christmas for sure, but I'm trying to think if she was in any other movies, not or his movies rather. None that I can really think of unless I'm missing something. No, I'm looking through her uh Filmography, okay. real fast. I think fast. it was only two. Um, she was in Beetlejuice, okay. and then she was in Edward Scissorhands. So that was it for Tim Burton specific movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds right, but I I just can't see. I know this was before the times of Sex in the City, and I personally thought that Sarah Jessica Parker was phenomenal in Hocus Pocus, but I just can't see her. In any capacity within Beetlejuice, it just doesn't fit what she has done as an actress. I just, she's just not Tim Burton material, I guess, is the best way that I can explain it. Right, yeah, I can see that. I was just looking up her filmography, and uh, she was in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven movies between 1988 and 1990. Who? Winona Ryder. She was in eight movies in two years? Yeah. Holy Actually, smokes. she uh, was supposed to play uh, Michael Corleone's daughter in The Godfather 3. Uh-huh. And she turned that, she dropped out because she was burnt out from so many. And I never looked into like how many movies well, she I was in before that. I see why. That's insane. Yeah, it's like, think about like, did you have to do fucking mermaids? Because like, you've never seen The Godfather 3, have you? I have not. Sofia Coppola fantastic director she fucking sucks in that movie she brings that whole movie down who does 
Sophia Coppola. She oh. plays Michael Al Pacino. Oh, okay. The role that Winona Ryder was supposed to play. Yeah. Okay, I see. Hugely disappointing. I blame that shit on Cher. Because <laughs> Cher's in that Mermaids movie, too. Oh, okay, okay. Did you know that they did an animated Beetlejuice series that ran from 91 to 93? I think I knew that they did it, but I don't believe I've ever watched it. I think I watched a couple of them. I just wasn't a fan. Yeah, I, I think I was kind of too... See, I didn't even watch Beetlejuice when it first came out because I was only six. I first watched Beetlejuice, I want to say, in the mid-90s probably. Mm -hmm. When I first started, you know, like when I became a teenager and I really got into horror movies and I'd go to the video store every weekend. I want to say that that was one of the ones that I probably watched on VHS. I know I'm revealing my age here, but... I, I do know that I did not see this when it first came out. Mm -hmm. So it definitely was a good five, six years after it came out before I even seen it. Okay. Well, you didn't miss much with the cartoon. <laughs> it ran for 93 episodes, though. So. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. So if you want to revisit it on YouTube, there you okay. go. Okay. There we go. Um, get into the category, shall we? Let's do it. All right. The I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your Milkshake. I drink it up. And I will let you lead off first with your favorite scene of Beetlejuice. Okay, so for me, my favorite scene of Beetlejuice is when the ghost, so Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, they first say, you know, the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, fuck it now. He's going to show I up. I know. They, they bring him out of the... I guess the what's the model of the town per se where he's staying or whatnot. And then they realize that he's no good. They put him back in. And when she's picking him up saying, you know, like leave us alone, da, 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 he releases the spikes. She drops him. And then after that point, I can't think of specifically what point in the movie where Alec Baldwin's like looking in and then you see Beetlejuice and there's like this Dante's Inferno I'm guessing it's a brothel. That's I think it's what a whore, I think it's a whore think house. It is. Yeah. And it's got, you know, like these demon ladies like with horns poking out of their forehead and they're wearing, you know, like what you would see somebody in a burlesque show wearing. And he's just kind of starting like, hey, hey, hey. I just, I don't know. I just think that's my, <laughs> that's my favorite part of the mm. movie. Do you have any, uh, so that's going to be your nominee for the best, that's, best scene in the movie? For me, that's definitely my favorite that's scene a good, I think anything with Michael Keaton has got to have strong consideration. Right. Especially considering how little he's in the movie. Absolutely. Um, for me, I have a, an honorable mention. I love the Beetlejuice commercial when they turn on, like the TV comes on. Oh, and he yeah, kind of yeah. comes across as being like a slimy used car salesman. I, yes. I don't know why it always cracks me up yes. where he stops. He's trying to sell himself and he goes, bring the kids down. we got plenty of snakes and lizards for them to play yeah. with. Yep. <laughs> it yeah. just cracks me up. It's pretty great. But my nominee is the Deo dinner scene. The Deo dinner scene? Yeah. That's a I mean, great like, one. If you think about it, anytime you hear that song, at least for me, I always think of the, that scene in Beetlejuice. So do I. Because I mean, I... I don't hear that song often. It's not something you hear on the radio often, but when it's I do hear it. definitely not. <laughs> but when I hear it, it, that's the first thing I think of. Right, right. And I guess uh, Tim Burton reached out to Harry Belafonte, the guy that sings the song, uh -huh. and he asked him specifically if they could use that for the movie. Nice. And he thought it was kind of a strange request, uh -huh. but he was also very flattered by it too. Well, I mean, it's, it's a huge part of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like you said, anytime you hear that song, you think of that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty iconic scene. Like, if you can think of, like, a song, mm -hmm. and it makes you think of a scene in a movie, like, mm -hmm. that's pretty that's pretty powerful stuff. For sure. And um, I was, uh, when I was researching for this, um, Glenn Shaddix, the actor that plays, is it Otho? The interior designer friend yes, of... Yes, that's Otho. Mm -hmm. Otho, okay. Um, uh, he passed away in 2010, and during his uh, funeral service, the last song they played was Deo by that... Harry I know you, you were just telling me that earlier today. And in all honesty, I thought he was still alive. I really I did too. Like, and I was sad. <laughs> I haven't really seen him in anything but Beetlejuice. I think he's been in like a couple other things. But I mean, that's the only thing I remember him from. He always had like small supporting roles, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So you haven't been on in a little while. Mm -hmm. We usually 
debate or we come to an agreement on the best scene of the movie. So which one do you think of our nominees? Hmm. Well, I think for me, personally for me, I would still have to say Dante's Inferno, but I know that that's not a scene that's necessarily as well known for everyone that may be listening to this that has seen this movie. Mm. So I would have to say, I would agree with you like on an overall basis that the the dinner would definitely be a great scene and a best scene on an overall basis. For me, though, it's always going to be Dante's Inferno. What if I... Daylight's come and we want to go home. <laughs> Probably the first and last time you hear me sing. Okay. So are we going to give it to the, the we dinner can, scene? We can give it to that just, again, based on that that's more of a commonly known scene from that movie. Come on, you're sure. always right 99% of the time. Let me, no. have, let me have one. No, I am letting you have one. I just said I agree. All right, so don't the, get used to it, but I agree with you. You're right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to make a note in my notes now. Yeah, that that's, I, that's I actually, the last time I'm saying that. I'm right for once. <laughs> okay. Um, we do have a new category. Uh, the I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough, which is a nod, uh, nod to Star Wars Episode Two for the just horrible, horrible delivery from Hayden Christensen when he's trying to court. Natalie Portman's character. It's it's a fucking awful scene. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. Yeah, I... When you play that, I guess... Oh. Dialogue, it would be... I don't even know what it even oh, Adam, sounds produce, like. Producer Adam hit a home run with, like, when he inserts the, the clips into these, that every time, like, it just, I think this is the perfect name for this category. Uh, but it's the worst scene in the movie. I really don't have one, because this movie kind of moves along pretty quick, and there's... It does. I mean, there's nothing that really stands out to me that would be, like, you know, cut that, you could do without it. There's nothing really that stands out for me. I don't know if you have like a scene that you would get rid of. Um, I'm trying to think. If if I had to pick one, I know you you said you don't have any, but I'm trying to think of something. I do know, like the sandworms. Like I get the point of when they step outside of their house that they're in like this desert. I don't know what it's supposed to be. They don't really ever explain why they can't leave. I guess you know they're just tied to their their last earthly place or whatnot. But I want to say that they show the sandworm. There's one point where Gina Davis gets stuck. I think Beetlejuice puts her there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you talking about when uh. He basically he takes uh, Alec Baldwin's teeth out when they're trying to summon yes, his name. Yes, and yes, he, yes. Okay. So, the, like when they when he puts her there, I I don't really see a, a point in that. Maybe I mean it just shows yeah, hey, he can do that. But it kind of seems like a repeat of when they first discover that they can't really step outside their house anyway. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that that scene is necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. So it, if I had to pick and choose. Or try to find something. That's really the only possible thing I could think of. But it's yeah. also a very minuscule thing too. So that just shows how hard it is to really just pick nitpick. apart this movie and and like you said, nitpick at it. Yeah. All right. Well, we don't have to nominate anything for that. It's it's a pretty this movie's well done. So yeah, I agree. Um, the King Kong ain't got shit on me award for the best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me. So I will let you once again uh, throw your nominee out there for your favorite line or the best line of Beetlejuice. I appreciate that. For me, it's definitely I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Like, I I love that line. (laughs) It's just, you know, Beetlejuice trying to win over Lydia, like putting aside his his crazy, like, greenish yellow hair and his sunken, you know, eyes and his ghostly, no pun intended, just you know, skin and the rotten teeth and stuff. Like he's just really trying to win her over with that line. And he truly believes in himself. And I just, I love that line so much. <laughs> um, you know, to, for full disclosure, uh, that line, I always think of, uh, this, uh, a friend of ours that lived in our neighborhood as a kid, uh, 
his uh, he had a uh, quite a substantial uh, stash of porno tapes. <laughs> and he, he had a, a movie called oh, The man. Ghostess with the Mostess. And I don't know why I always think of that movie title. It's a porno? Yeah, it's called The Ghostess with the Mostess. So did they base that on Beetlejuice? I don't think they base it on Beetlejuice. Oh, okay, okay. It's just a ghost porn movie, basically. Pretty much. It's not uh, Beetlejuice theme like some other porn movies have done. And Oh, I'm sure that okay. there's probably a porno-based parody somewhere they've done it for everything else okay well i'm gonna have to google that later too just out of sheer curiosity (laughs) for god's sakes please make sure the kids aren't around well i'm not gonna play it i'm going to google it on my phone because i'm curious you know because they've done better put that bad boy in private mode because i'll show up in your search results well they've done saving private ryan and then the porn version was saving ryan's privates or something like that so it makes me wonder if it's like Beetlejuice's, you know, I, I don't know, even know what it would remotely be called. But now I have to look it up. Well, when we put this episode out, you can always put it on the old Facebook. Like, hey, I found the name of the pornographic version of Beetlejuice. In <laughs> case anyone wants to know. But uh, that's your nominee is the, I'm the ghost with the most big. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. for sure. Uh, mine is, um, and this i seen this movie as a kid a lot on HBO and Showtime. So i seen this movie a bunch as a kid. And me and a bunch of my friends used to, we would just randomly say, uh, nice fucking model, and we would grab our crotch, do the honking noise. <laughs> and it got me in so much trouble as a kid. And to this day, this that line still cracks I, me up. I love that line, too. That's pretty great. So that's going to be mine. Um, I would probably give it to the ghost of the most because that's like the probably the more well-known line, even though... For my circle of friends, it's going to be the nice fucking model. Well, of course. We, we always I mean, quoted that as a kid. I mean, why not? And then the other funny part about that, too, when he does, you know, honk his goose, so to say, is they play, is it a bicycle horn? It's yeah, like it's like that bicycle aunt. horn. Yeah, that, and that, I think that, like, adds to it even more is that they, they had that sound effect to it. It just, <laughs> yeah, and he's got that, like, shit-ass grin on his face. Yeah. Cause yeah, he kicks the uh, he kicks the the model over, doesn't he? I I believe he does. So, um, he does. Yeah, he kicks over um a part of the model when he actually does that, and as he's actually kicking that is when he's grabbing himself, and then you hear the bicycle noise. Um, yeah, I I, I think it would be the uh. We can give it to the ghost with the most, but like I I really like that scene that line too. And I'm a gracious host, so I'm going to let you win a category. You are. I am. Well, you don't have to do that on my account. I mean, I. you can go with whatever you agree with. If you if you like the, you know, nice fucking model and then honk, honk. I mean, while he grabs himself, that's cool. No, I'm, I, I want people to come back. I don't want this to be like a dictatorship where it's like, well, Russ always wins, so I'm not fucking going back on that show anymore. Damn it, Russ. So, we'll give it to you. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You are welcome. You are the best. I try. I try. Um, the McLovin Award, which we have changed from the Lou Brown. Last time you were on, it was called the Lou Brown. Give him the heater. But now okay. it's the uh, the McLovin. I am McLovin. Oh, McLovin. For the best supporting yeah. character in the movie. <laughs> I like the name of this award. I like it better than the Lou Brown. Yeah. God rest your soul, James Gammon. T's and P's. But, um, yeah, the uh, we call this the McLovin now. So... I I wanted to give this to Danny Elfman at first because I think his score is part of the movie. I think uh, if you replaced his score with like another score, his it doesn't fit quite as well. He's kind of got this really crazy outlandish score to go along with the movie. And who is it again that did the score? Danny so Elfman. Danny he, Elfman. Okay. He did okay. the Simpsons okay. score. Right, He's right, done right. Batman. He's done right. like a lot of Tim Burton stuff. Okay. I want to give it to him because I just want to give him a special shout out. 
Okay. But I think the McLovin winner has got to be pretty obvious. He's only in the movie for 14 minutes. I think this has to be Michael Keaton. I would agree with that. For sure. I mean, I think he steals everything that he's in. Yeah. And I he think does. I think a really good indicator of how great a supporting character is is if you can't wait for them to appear in the movie again. And I think every time I watch Beetlejuice, I, I just can't wait for like the next time he shows up. Now I know the movie's named after Beetlejuice and he plays him, but I think that he has to win this. I would agree with that. I mean, he's such a strong supporting character that I know, technically speaking, since he is only in the movie for 14 minutes, that he is considered as a supporting role. But he's almost so good at a supporting role, it's almost, in a sense, a lead role at the same time, if mm-hmm. that makes I mean, I get what you're sense saying. at all. Just because, you know, like you said, when he comes on there and, you know, you have Lydia, who I guess would be more so of a lead role, when... Well, I know, I know she's supporting, but she's featured in the movie, I believe, more so than what Beetlejuice is. But then when you I have so. Gina Davis, when you have Alec Baldwin, when you have all these other characters that you might see more so in the movie than Beetlejuice, he comes in there and he just steals the show. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, he's the lead in whatever is going on in the movie. Right. So. All right. So we're in agreement. It's Michael Keaton. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, he might win another award too, I think, okay. before we're all done. Okay. I don't know. Um, we have also created uh, the Eric Stoltz Award for the actor or actress that you would recast in this movie. So I really couldn't think of anybody that I would give the axe outside of pedophile actor Jeffrey Jones just because after that, that news come to light, I really can't... St- really fathom seeing him and anything else and getting enjoyment out of it without thinking that he is a creep. So he would probably be the person. I can't think of anybody that I would cast in his place. Although I may be like a, maybe a John Ritter. I can maybe see. I could have actually seen John Ritter playing that part more so than Jeffrey Jones. And, and again, it does have a lot to do with the fact that I think, didn't we just find out he was a sex offender oh, no, a couple I knew, of years? Oh, you knew it a long, long time ago? ago yeah. Okay, I think maybe you're actually the one that told me about it because we were watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off and he plays the principal and you had told me about that. And I was like, do what? Because I had no clue. And so I think knowing that really, I don't ever want to see him in anything. Mm-hmm. Not that he really per se acts anymore anyway, but... I just think almost anyone could have played that part, maybe because it's so such a minor role. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see anyone but Catherine O'Hara playing the mom, the stepmom because I love Catherine O'Hara. I just think she's great in this movie. I know she doesn't play a huge part in it, but I could definitely see John Ritter playing the dad. Actually, I think him and Catherine O'Hara would have worked very well together yeah. in this movie. Yeah, and you could add a little bit of John Ritter's physical humor. Right. Because he's kind of a... Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I can't really recast anybody. So we're recasting Jeffrey Jones? I would say Jeffrey Jones. I can't think of anyone else. All right, cool. Mm -mm. I like the way you think. Maybe we'll have you back on sometime. Sounds good to me. All right. Um, Another new category we've created since the uh, last time you were on is the Unsolved Mysteries of the Movie, which this is... After you've watched the movie, is there any questions that you have about the movie that go unanswered? Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. And what we try to do here on the show is we try to answer them for you. Okay. A lot of times our answers make no sense or we actually just create more of a mystery. Okay. But we at least attempt it. So is there anything that you are left wondering after Beetlejuice... uh, the credits roll, like what happens? So towards the end. I'm boring you to death, so you're going to no, sleep. No, 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 no. It's just, it's getting to be my bedtime. No, I'm not going to sleep. What I was going to say is. If you is, want to put, if you need to rest your eyes, no, can I at least draw eyeballs no, on I, your eyelids? No, I honestly did have to stifle yawn. It has nothing to do with me being bored. It's just getting close to my bedtime, but I'm fine. Anyhow, so towards the end of the movie, 
when they show Alec Baldwin, they show Gina Davis together, and you can see that the house has been put back in its original condition prior to the the Dietzes. It's not the Dietzes. Oh, my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Alec Baldwin and, and Gina Davis's last name from the movie. So I can't even remember that off the top of my head. Their names. The oh. Dietzes are Catherine O'Hara, Jeffrey Jones. Those are the Dietzes. Correct. While I will look that up while okay, you're Okay, while you're looking that up, you can see that they're living in harmony. You know, Lydia walks into the door and tells them about her test scores and wants to know if she can, you know, float up in the air and sing the song and all that jazz. Um, it makes you wonder if the Dietzes and then... The Maitlands. The Maitlands. Thank you so much. I can't believe I forgot that. It... it Makes me wonder, are they living in harmony? Like, can the Dietzes see them like Lydia can see them? Can Lydia even see them, or does she just kind of sense that they're there? Mm -hmm. Because if they're invisible in a mirror, then how could Lydia see them unless she has some kind of, like, sixth sense or whatnot? Mm -hmm. But it it makes you wonder if they're living together in harmony, how they interact with one another. And that's nothing that you really get a glimpse of except Jeffrey Jones saying, Sounds like she got an A on the math test. So he has to know that Mr. Maitland was helping her prepare for that math test, and it makes you wonder if they can see one another or how they interact or things of that nature. So That's actually, it's funny that you mention that because I kind of have a question very similar to that. Mm-hmm. I actually wonder if, um, like, Lydia's parents kind of take a back seat because it seems like near the end, the Maitlands are kind of taking on more of the parental role in this whole relationship because, like, she doesn't go tell her parents what happened. She tells Barb and Adam at first. Right, and I and I do know that they also wanted to have children, but they didn't get the opportunity to do that before they passed away. So it seemed... It, because that it, fucking dog on the bridge. I, I know, that damn dog let his leg up and just let him go into that three-foot-deep... River, that's another thing I've always wondered. So they're on this little covered bridge, and that that water doesn't even look like it's that deep. And they're hanging off this bridge, and it seriously looks like they fall. Like, the from the bridge to the water is, like, five to seven feet or something. Like, the way that it, the camera angle shoots it, it doesn't look like it's... It almost looks like it's not even a river. Like, it's almost like a, a creek or something. Creek bed? A creek bed, yeah. So how do they die... In something like that, like it, it's I, just so weird. Do I they thought hit about their that. Heads? Do they? I mean, I don't know. I thought about that question as well. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have never crashed through a bridge. I haven't either. And fallen into a body of water in a car. I've never done that. Well, I mean, neither have I, and I hope I never do. But at the same time, again, it's not like they were on the dang Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and then they, you know, went down. 80, 100 feet and into however deep the water is. This is just like, looks like it's a little crick at most. So it's like. Well, my best I, guess I is know. what happens is, is when the car flips upside down, uh-huh. they hit their heads and they get knocked out. And yeah, they, p- perhaps. And, the, and, and they drown or whatnot that mm-hmm. way. But it's just, it makes you wonder. And it's, it, and again, it's just mainly, you don't think about that as a kid watching the movie. You think about those things as you get older and you're like, that doesn't even make any sense. I tell you what, I don't that, know. that dog, bad movie dog, because if that was a good movie dog, that dog would have ran and got help. I know, I know. It's like it would have barked three times like, oh, shit, Adam and Barbara <laughs> in the crew. I know, he does kind of give dogs everywhere a bad rep. Yeah. For sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wonder if, uh, so do you think that, like, uh, Adam and Barbara kind of like more Lydia's parents and then, like, her actual parents kind of take a back seat and do their own thing. Yeah, I I can kind of see that because I think maybe they can more so relate to her because she's more into the macabre type of scene anyway. And if they can't see her, I believe that she probably can. And then they kind of got the chance to take on parenthood and the afterlife versus, you know, the, the fact that they never had the chance to do it mm-hmm. while they were actually alive. So I can totally see that. Do you think they take them to the... Uh Lydia's parents to court for parental control, like two ghosts. 
I mean, I don't think I we're going to cr- take it quite that far. I but just created a new TV show. I, like you, you may have. Like somebody is ghost lawyer. He defends oh, the he defends the dead. And that's the first episode. Is I mean, I can see Stranger Things, but I I don't I don't see that getting past the pilot episode, babe. It, it would take a lot of. Um, Good acting, but you know who I think could be the now is the lawyer going to be a ghost? No, he can see ghosts. He represents. Okay, them. so I could see Seth Rogen doing that. Like that's the first name that came to my mind because so, I see that as being a comedy. Like I don't see that as being a serious thing. I see Seth Rogen doing that. I actually considered it more like a drama in the vein of like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or. Mm, I mean, maybe, but I see it as a comedy. That's right. just kind of. What comes to my mind? Anyway. Well, I know I'm not going to go to you to help me write the show. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I, this, <laughs> this is real life events. There's episodes involved like custody battles. He's trying to get somebody off the hook for a murder. Ghost lawyer. I mean, anybody wants to, if anybody out there listening wants to collaborate on this show, please hit us up on our socials. You seem like you've been thinking about this prior to even putting together this podcast episode. Like I this get, seems like something that's been in the works for you for a while. I'm just I saying. Sometimes when I'm sitting here before I go to bed, I just get these random thoughts pop in my head. Like that'd be a fucking cool TV show. So that's Ghost been a random lawyer. idea that's coming to your head before this happened just now, like five yeah. minutes ago. I, I've got, it's like I have a mental note of like okay. at least 10 different television programs. Wow. Okay. Also, schooling me today because I did not know that. I also have a pitch for Disney Dog Lawyer. <laughs> oh, God. Now that I would watch. I would totally <laughs> I watch <know>. Dog Lawyer. <laughs> McRuff Dog Lawyer. Oh, gosh. Yes. All right. Sign me up for that. For All right. Sure. Enough of, uh, I'm not giving away too many of my ideas. I don't want okay. people stealing. Yeah, them. I was going to say, you better stop while you're ahead. All right. The last category is the I'm the King of the World Award for who wins the movie. I'm the King of the World. Basically, this award, of course, is uh, the aspect of the movie, the performer of the movie that you think of the most or you're going to talk about after you see this movie. So who wins this movie for you? Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, I would say Tim Burton, too. I think he gets consideration because, it's like we said earlier, he kind of hones his style and like this is the style he goes with going forward although I don't think he ever gets it quite as right as he does in this movie but I'm giving it to Michael Keaton too like he was uh I was looking up some of his movies prior to Beetlejuice and he was kind of in a bit of a slump uh he he'd made like I don't know if you ever seen Night Shift it's got him and Henry Winkler they're a couple of uh uh it's a Stephen King story no, right? this no, one no, is no, not. No. no, this is uh oh, two guys who run I'm a of skeleton crew, I think. Uh I think Stephen King had a book called Night Shift, but this particular one uh Henry Winkler and uh Michael Keaton, they run a whorehouse out of a morgue. What? what? Oh, it's it's f- fucking hilarious. I have, Michael, ne- I have never seen that. Michael Keaton is hilarious in that movie. Okay. I'm um, going to have to check that out. He did Mr. Mom, he did uh and he did he did gung ho, um, movie hasn't aged too well, but then like he'd kind of done some stuff like the squeeze and some kind of some turds, but then he comes back with Beetlejuice, and then it's that relationship with Tim Burton that gets him cast as Batman. It's a good one. Yeah, and I remember when uh, Batman. Uh, they cast him like everybody thought like well you're casting a comedic actor to play Batman this movie's gonna suck. And, of course, anyone that's a Batman fan knows that Michael Keaton just fucking rocks as Batman. So I'm giving it to him based on that. And plus, we've discussed earlier in the movie, like, Michael Keaton, like, he won the McLovin. You can't wait for him to show back up in the movie. Like, you know, like, I, it's, there's points in the movie, it's just like, come on, when's Beetlejuice coming back? And I'd seen this movie countless times. But I think for him, like, when you or so awesome at a role and you can't wait for that particular performer to come back on the screen. Like it's an easy, easy one. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And you'd really from 
every part of the movie that he's actually in, in all of that 14 minutes, you actually don't even know what Beetlejuice you're going to get. Well, rather what version of Beetlejuice you're going to get. Because I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many versions there are of him in that movie. But there's at least five or six. Mm-hmm. You know, you have comical, funny Beetlejuice. You have like Suave, GQ Beetlejuice. You have, you know, Shiesty Beetlejuice where he re- he really shows his true colors at the end where he gets his head shrunken for taking the, um, the head shaman or, or whatever yeah. he is, his number. So, I mean, there's just so many different variations of him that you, that's what I really look forward to is from scene to scene. I mean, I've seen this movie so many times that I, I know what Beetlejuice you're going to get next, but I think for somebody who's only seen it once or twice, that's one of my favorite things about Beetlejuice coming back time after time in the movie is because you do have that different version of him every time. Yeah. Yeah, so we're in agreement. Yes. We, one of these days, we've decided to, the person who wins the movie, we want to send them an award through the mail that say, hey, you've won the Couch Potato Podcast. You're the star, the, the winner, the King of the World Award winner. Oh, wow. So okay. we we need to find Michael Keaton's address and send it to him. Well, I mean, you could probably send it to, like, maybe a, a fan P.O. Box type of address. I want to send it directly to him. Oh, okay. Well, get, get it to his agent. That might be a little tougher, but I'm sure yeah. we could figure it out. We could. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would like to add before we wrap this up tonight? The only thing I can say is if you can't, if you have not seen this movie, watch it. I know it's not available on streaming right now, but if you get it, can get it digitally via renting, buying, however you choose to do so. I. I highly recommend it. It's a great movie, especially for this time of year. Or, hey, you know, it's on. I'm sure it's on AMC or Freeform all the time, too. Probably. Or, hey, you've got a library. They rent movies yep. for free. Yep. Go check sure. out your local library. Yep. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Very good idea. I think that you recommended us do this when we couldn't figure out what we wanted to do for this week. I think I did. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. You always end up, like, your episodes seem to be very popular, the ones you suggest, so... I try. I try to stick with ones that people have at least heard of, and if they haven't seen it, they hear the title, and maybe it kind of prompts them to go out there onto the old Google machine and and take a look and kind of see what the movie's about. It feels like you have your fingers on the pulse of the Couch Potato Mafia. (laughs) I don't know about all that, but... Yeah, I think you do. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on, uh, babe. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. I had a great time as well. All right. Well, until next time, we will talk at you guys later. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, Coming up next Monday, we're going to drop Toy Story for you guys, uh, our first venture into the animated world. So that ought to be a good one. And if you guys follow us on social media, we dropped a hint. We're going to do a very special uh, Halloween episode. We're going to drop on Halloween weekend. So... Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter uh, to find out what movie we're doing for that. It's going to be a special, supersized watch-along episode, so that ought to be good. So until next Monday, or maybe sooner, we will talk at you guys later. Bye, everybody.